Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. Uh, so we concluded our uh, series in Ruth last week, uh, and you know, a time of year right now, we're coming up on sort of the holiday season, so in a few weeks, uh, we'll do some Thanksgiving, Advent, Christmas kind of related messages, but I wanted, uh, we've got like three weeks, I think, in between, and I wanted to, uh, I'm going to do kind of a... Uh, uh, sort of a loosely connected series, not not a real series, but just sort of some thoughts about um, kind of what's going on in life right now. It's come up a couple times in our prayer time this morning, and I, uh, you know, uh, Francis Schaeffer is one of my, uh, I don't know if he's a favorite author. He's a, I, I enjoy Francis Schaeffer. He's a theologian, and he's a deep thinker. He's actually a little bit hard to read because he's he, he's so deep, but uh, he, he he's written a number of books. W- one of them is entitled, How Should We Then Live?, and it's sort of a history uh, of what he calls the decline of Western culture and Western thought, uh, culminating, you know, from the kind of the very beginning all the way through the 20th century. Uh, and, and then the, in the conclusion is sort of, in light of that, how, how do we live? As Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus, how do we live our lives out in the midst of what we see around us? And I think it's a good question. And so I've, um, I've uh, stolen his title for our series. So kind of, again, loosely over the next few weeks, I want to talk about uh, how should we then live. Let's just uh, pray again real quick, and then I want to get into uh, some scripture this morning. Lord, uh, we, we just come to you in the midst of a lot of turmoil and uh, a lot of uh, just a lot of things happening around us culturally. We pray, Lord God, that you would really give us guidance and direction, that we would hear directly from your word, your spirit, your heart, uh, as you really lead us in in how to live our lives out in the midst of what we see and feel and know uh, happening all around us. Amen. All right, I want to start with a text from 2 Corinthians today, one that I am sure many of you are probably familiar with, but 2 Corinthians 5 So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he was committed to us, has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view. Um, That's our job. We, we are ambassadors for Jesus. 
Ambassadors for Christ. We, we, an ambassador is a person that represents their homeland in a foreign country. So we represent the kingdom of God, Jesus, heaven, in this place that we're in today. Uh, this world is not our home, right? And yet we're here. And so we represent him in the midst of that. And our, our job, our role is to live in love, to uh, be imitators of God, to represent Jesus to the people that we encounter every day. Now, a- as an ambassador, though, uh, if, if you're the uh, U.S. ambassador to France, you represent the United States in France, but you, you're living there in France, and you're aware, you're conscious of what's happening around you. What, what is the cultural climate? What's the political climate? What, what, what are people feeling and thinking? What's the economy like? What's happening in the middle of France? It's important for you to know that. It's important for us to know what's happening in the world around us. Um, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, what's happening in the world around us? It's not good in case you haven't noticed right now. It's not good at all. Uh, It's kind of a mess, to be quite honest. Um, I think we're aware of that. I don't think anyone's surprised by that. Uh, We've we've been over this before. I want to review really quickly just a few things that are happening culturally right now because it, it impacts how we live. One is, of course, racial unrest. Even just uh, this week, I believe, there was uh, a, a, a racial arrest and some different things happened here in, in Vancouver. But uh, our, our country, the United States, has a history of racial unrest, really 400 years. It's cyclical. It kind of goes up and peaks and then comes down. But I, I, I believe personally that we have not seen what the kind of unrest we're seeing this year, this calendar year 2020, in at least 50 or 60 years. Um. It's, it's, it's been so volatile. And, and not just one incident, but time after time after time, place after place after place. Um, yeah, and we're also in the middle of a global pandemic. And again, you know, I, to me it's important that we keep that in mind. Uh, obviously we're aware, right? You're all here wearing masks. But it's affecting the whole world. And... Um, it's significant. You know, since, since the beginning of this year, one and a half million people have died worldwide of COVID. One and a half million people. As I mentioned before, there's a lot of grief connected to that, a lot of mourning and a lot of loss. And it's, it's, it's on us. You know, at first, it was kind of removed. I don't know about you, but... You know, I didn't feel like it was affecting me directly, but over the past few weeks, you know, Donna said, it's like almost every day now, I'm hearing about somebody else I know that's been impacted. Uh, so as time has gone on, that's changed, and it's become uh, much closer. Uh, and, and let's be honest, it's not just the loss of life. I mean, that's the significant factor, but the truth is that this has affected everything. Everything. Uh, the economy, jobs, people are out of work, people are unable to work, some people are, are shifting and they're able to work at home, others aren't able to work at home. Uh, it, it, there's so many things that this has impacted. It, it just, you know, I even, so I was thinking about this. 
So sports are a, sports. The, the the role of sports in life is a distraction, right? When everything is crazy and going haywire, what do you do? You just tune out, watch a game for a couple hours, right? That's what you do. But even sports, you know, watching the NBA finals with, with the fake fans in the audience going like this, you know, it's just weird. And the whole thing is it's, it's affected everything. And, and, and probably the most significant factor of all of it, I think, is the isolation. Uh, and again, you may or may not feel the impact of that directly, but I know many people do. Um, there, there's, there's just that sense of separation from others. Uh, and there, there's a whole gamut of re- reactions to this. You know, on one side, you've got people who think it's fake and don't believe in it, and they're not going to f- do anything, and they're flaunting the, the guidelines or whatever, and just doing whatever they want to do. But, but then on the other side, you've got, you know, people that are totally living in fear. And we talked about this this morning, you know, and it was just something we prayed about, that we, we can't allow ourselves to, to fall into that place of just living in fear. You know, I think I shared this with you, but we have a trail by our house, a walking trail. It's like a three-mile loop, and I walk, try to walk a few times a week. And you don't, I don't pass very many people. Typically, in that loop, I might pass one, two, maybe three other people, you know, as I'm walking. Uh, and typically, I'm coming one way, and this person's going the other way, and you see each other, so you just go wide to the right, and you walk past each other. It's n- not a big deal. I, I was walking a couple weeks ago, and there was a woman who saw me coming, and I, I don't wear a mask when I'm out walking. I'm outdoors, I'm by myself, so I just go for a walk. She had a mask and gloves on, and she was about probably to the back of the room from me, and she walked off the trail, way off the trail, and hid behind a tree until I passed, and then waited till I was quite a ways past, and then came out and started to continue to walk. And I just... Part of me wanted to laugh. It was funny, but part of me just was brokenhearted. I mean, the level of fear that she's living under. I thought, she, you know, she's hiding behind a tree. Um, what, what brings us to that point? Natural disasters. Uh, I don't know if you've watched the news. I mean, we had the fires here. Smoke was in the air. It was, you know, it felt like apocalypse. Uh, so we got some rain and it cleared out. Those fires are still burning, but they've moved south as well. I don't know if you saw this week, Southern California's on fire now. Um, and on top of that, you know, uh, this hurricane season has been just significant. So much so they've run out of names to name the hurricanes. So they've gone into the Greek alphabet. So now there's hurricanes, you know, Alpha, Beta, Zeta, because they don't know what to name them anymore. I have two friends, <clears throat> both pastors in Louisiana, and I've talked to them both recently. One guy said, yeah, yeah, we're okay. My house is in rubble. His house just got wiped out. And, and, but he goes, but we're, we're good. I'm like, okay, nice positive take there. Uh, the other guy, I, you know, I texted him this week, and I said, how are you, Jeremy? And he said, well, we're okay. This hurricane went to the east of us. He goes, it's so, so it didn't hit our home or our neighborhood, but everything's a mess. Because the whole, the whole state's a mess. There's just water everywhere, and it's just a mess. So that's what's happening in the world around us. Oh, wait, I forgot. Politics. There's an election. What are we, two days, three days out? One day? Two days. Two days out in the election. Um, can, can I just say this is not by any measure a standard normal election? Is that fair? Uh, I, I, the amount of controversy, 
Controversy over everything, every aspect of this election. I, you know, the whole thing is that we, they say we can't mail in your ballot, you know, no, no mail in. I'm like, what? our whole state's mail in. What the heck? What are we supposed to do here? You know, absentee ballots, are they going to be counted or not counted? The, 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 both are, sides are saying the other side's trying to steal the election. I, I, I'm just going, this is, this is crazy. I, I mean, I, I lived through Nixon and Watergate, okay? And I, I've never, this is, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Watergate was nothing compared to this. It seems like everyone is on edge. Everyone is on edge. I, I, I saw this video this week. Some protest or something, I don't know what's going on, but the, there was three young girls. It was <laughs> like you guys sitting back there. And they, they somehow splashed water on a guy. Okay, she had a bottle of water, and he got, he didn't, it wasn't like soaked, he got water on him. And so what does he do? He pulls a gun on them. And I was like, are you serious? This guy's going to shoot these young girls. He pulls a gun on them because he got wet. That's where we're at. That's what's happening. I, you know, he didn't shoot them, but he threatened to. Um, so much division. And it's, look, it's not, here's the sad part to me. It's not just secular culture, the church is as divided right now as it's ever been in my lifetime. I didn't live through the Reformation, but uh, in my lifetime, I've never seen the church as divided as it is today over political issues and just cultural issues and what's happening. Um, I want to share something with you. I, I've, I've blocked the name out so you can't, I, I won't tell you who it is, but this is a guy I actually know. This is a person who a uh, pastor who spoke at Anaheim Vineyard in the 80s and 90s on a number of occasions, um, and I spent time with. And this was just last week. He said, we're in time for war. This is a pastor on Christian television. We need to recognize that. We need to mobilize. We need to get ready, he said during the show. He went on to discuss our civil war. Our civil war. So, so not the civil war. He's talking about now saying that he'd seen in a dream that militias would pop up like mushrooms and they would be backed by God. Jesus himself said, there's going to be a time when you need to sell your coat and buy a sword. Now, that was a physical weapon of their, their day, and we're in that time here. We need to realize that, he said. The pastor went on to say that God had seated the U.S. with veterans of recent wars who know how to fight in urban warfare. He said that these veterans would be part of the leadership of these militias and help us in what's about to unfold in our own country. He described them as patriots. He, he is calling for civil war for Christians. Um, so, so I looked, at, I, I did a little research. So there is a verse where, where Jesus says, so you're called by a sword. They're going on a journey and he tells the disciples they need a sword to, to take with them. I read that passage and then I read like four or five different commentaries on that passage and virtually no one believes that this is a call to arms, that Jesus is telling them to prepare for war. That is a unique perspective. He, he basically said they looked like kind of a band of, a, you know, just dudes out on, you know, so just kind of fill that role, whatever. But no one, no one that I could find, that, that's a legitimate biblical scholar, 
believed that it was a call to arms. It's completely out of context with everything else that Jesus ever says to come up with that perspective. Um, I, I don't know what you think about all this, but this really is where we're at. Ambassadors of Christ, this is where we're at. This is, this, this is as, as representatives of Jesus in this land, this is the land we're in. Uh, so it's not, we don't have an easy job. We don't have an easy job. We have to combat what's happening in, in, the, in, in the realm of spiritual warfare, but we also have to come against, really, in, in my estimation, things like this. That, is, is that what God's calling? So, again, Francis Schaeffer, how do we live? How should we live in, in the midst of all this? So I want to try to address that over the next few weeks, but I have two thoughts today, two things real quick. I'll, I'll, try, to, I'll, I'll try to keep this fairly short, but couple ideas I think we can, we can do. One is hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. First Thessalonians 4, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. That is a, that's a powerful, powerful statement right there. Um, first, uh, we have hope. Okay, that's, that's the key. In the midst of whatever's happening in the world today, no matter how bad things get, we have hope, and we have to hold on to that. Is the world crazy right now? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's absolutely crazy. But we have hope in Jesus in the midst of that, okay? Um, if, you know, if you, look, if your hope is in America being great again, if, you, if, you're, if your hope is in the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, the Libertarian Party, the Green Party, the Tea Party, uh, keg party, uh, in, you know, any other party. Uh, if, if your hope is in Roe v. Wade being overturned, if your hope is in a new Green Deal, look, let me tell you, that's not going to sustain. Those things are going to come and go. The world's going to continue to evolve and change, and, and stuff's going to happen. If our hope is in those things, we got nothing. We, we, got, we got nothing at all. Jesus said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be ours also. Our treasure is not in this culture, in this life, in uh, politics. It's not in wealth. It's not in any of that. It's, it's really in who Jesus is. I love this verse. I love this um, translation because it uses the word vermin. Um, I, I didn't. I looked. I, first of all, I looked up what what are vermin, and then I looked up the Greek word. What word in Greek had they actually translated as vermin? And it's an interesting word because it can mean like natural decay, like rust, or decay coming from little bugs. Vermin. So I still am not 100 percent sure what a vermin is, but we don't want them. They're bad. Um. So, 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 the Lord God will give him his throne and his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. Everything else, uh, you know, is going to come and go. But the kingdom of God never ends, and that's why our hope is in there. Um, you know what? 
I, I just want this whole thing to go away so I can watch Jeopardy without 27 political commercials coming through. Is that not reality? And you know, I mean, who makes those commercials? It's like, don't vote for this person because she's the devil. I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> you know, isn't that, isn't it like that? I mean, it's just like, come on. Um, I, so I guess here, here's the positive spin. If there's anything, you know, what's good about 2020 is it's easier to have hope in him. It's easier to have hope in him. We can, we can hope in Jesus in the midst of all this. Um, until then, we do good. Do, do good. You know, there's a verse, I think it's Old Testament. I can't remember. It says, do good in the city. And I, I think that our job, part of our role right now is just to be as kind as we can be, um, to, to do whatever we can do, to, to, to be kind, to be caring, to, to fight against discrimination, to, to fight against poverty, to fight against hunger, fight against homelessness, do whatever we can do to, to be gracious and kind and generous to people around us. And then the second thing, and uh, this is, I, I think this is key. I, I'm not a big spiritual warfare guy, generally speaking, but I think this is key. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Um, I think one of the most important things we can hear right now is that our enemy is not flesh and blood. Okay? Do not fall into the temptation to villainize other people. You, you can be on extreme polar opposite ends of the political spectrum, but our brother, flesh and blood, is it's never our enemy. Don't, can I say this? That's the plan of the enemy. That's what the principalities and powers are all about right now, is sowing division in the hearts of people and making them villainize one another. And I would say to you guys, don't fall into the trap. Do not fall into the trap. Uh, the enemy rejoices when we start pointing fingers at one another and calling each of their names. You know, and, and, and the enemy wins. And I would say, don't play into that. You know, th that's his, his, whole, his whole agenda is steal, kill, and destroy. That's all he wants to do. I, I, you know, in some ways I have to say, it, to be quite honest, I think he's winning right now. When, when, I, when, I, when I watch politicians and they call each other names and point fingers at each other, I just think the enemy's winning. Um, we have to be willing, we have to be able to dialogue and talk to people of different perspectives, to listen and to try to understand. You know, you don't have to agree with people, but you, you, I, I want to understand if they think something differently than I do, why do they think that? What, what leads them to that conclusion? I want to try to understand that. Um, so, so just so, so that I can be better as a person at not villainizing other people. There's an old saying, um, you don't get to pick your parents, you know. I, we could update it. You don't get to pick who you love. You don't get to pick who you love. We, I, I know, that sucks. Because you, you, you have to love flaming liberals and right-wing militants. You have to love BLM and the Proud Boys. You don't have choice. You might disagree from the bottom of your heart with the ideology and everything that that person or that group stands for, but you don't have the choice not to love them. Paul says, do everything in love. 
You don't have to agree to love them. You know, as a first century Jew, you were indoctrinated throughout the course of your life to despise the Gentiles. And you were indoctrinated throughout the course of your life to despise the wretched Samaritans. And as for the Romans, the Romans were the evil empire. So as a Jew, you don't like the Gentiles, you don't like the Samaritans, and you don't like the Romans. And what does Jesus do? He walks into the middle of that and he loves them all. And he he heals a Roman guard's daughter. He sits down and has dinner and he welcomes Samaritans in. And he breaks down. He, he touches lepers. They were outcasts of society. And he breaks down every barrier that exists. The church was in Rome. But they didn't hate the Romans, but they didn't become Romans. They were Christians. And, and the Romans didn't like that. And they were seen as being, the church was seen as being unpatriotic. That was one of the problems. Because they didn't, they didn't give in to Rome. They loved the Romans, but they didn't become Romans. And, and I think it's, it's important for us to not become part of somebody's us versus them. It's not us and them. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. We don't, we don't participate. I, I, you know, I, I really just think that's a hard, a hard line to walk, but it's so, so important right now. Ambassadors of Christ, who are you? I represent Jesus. That's the bottom line. I'll close. It's a little cheesy probably. But um, lyrics from a U2 song. A few years ago, U2 released a song called Invisible. Uh, it wasn't a big hit. I don't think it's even on an album. I think it was a single. It was a, it was a fundraiser for AIDS research. But I think they played it in the Super Bowl, maybe. But whatever. I'm more than you know. I'm more than you see here. more than you let me be. I'm more than you know. A body and a soul. You don't see me, but you will. I'm not invisible. I'm here, I'm here. There's no them, there's no them. Only us, only us. There's only you, there's only me. There is no them, there's only us. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org forward slash give.